Today's episode is made possible by the generous support of Charon Law Offices. Located in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, Steve Charon and his team work with startup companies offering a full range of legal services. No matter what stage your startup is in, the team at Charon Law Offices can help you. From structuring to developing stock option plans to assisting with fundraising arrangements, Charon Law Offices can guide you through the process. For more information, email steve at charonlawoffices.com or call 412-880-5633. Visit their website at charonlawoffices.com for more information. Charon Law Offices, from startup to exit and everything in between. You can follow us on Twitter at BroadcastPGH and find us on Facebook at TheBroadcast underscore PGH and Instagram at TheBroadcast underscore PGH. Our website is broadcast-podcast.com where you can find all of our past episodes. If you want to support the show, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash broadcastpgh. If you'd like to sponsor, otherwise partner with the show, we'd love to talk to you. Drop us a line at broadcastpgh at gmail.com. So welcome to another episode of the Broadcast Podcast. I am um, trembling with excitement right now because we have a guest on who I've wanted to have on for a while. She is um, a, kind of a Pittsburgh icon. Um, she's someone that I think is familiar to probably all of our listeners. Um, she's like shaking her head right now. But Sally Wigan, um, Pittsburgh. I don't even know how to describe you at this point, Sally. You were you were a TV washed up. No, amazing. Done. Finished. No, that, absolutely aging. Not. No, iconic local is the celebrity. Local celebrity. No. <laughs> in any case, with that introduction, thanks for coming on the Oh, podcast. I'm delighted. I love this space I know. where you are. We're at Sorgatron Media in Beachview. And it's is, warm. It's warm. It's inviting. It's friendly. It's really been a great home for the podcast, and we could not be more excited to have you on. So thanks. I'm delighted to Finally. be here. Good. All right. So what are we going to talk about? I want to talk no, about- No, you're supposed to ask all right, me I am. that. I am. We're going to keep it open and we're going to- Sally was telling us all these anecdotes before we went on that we're not allowed to talk about, but no, she's so fun. She's very interesting. Um, and you were on um, TV for many years. You were someone you were saying you got into journalism because you wanted to do sports, right? You mm-hmm. got into- so, so did you end up kind of you know, did you end up doing with journalism what you wanted to do with it? Or do you think it went on a, I a made path some mistakes. I, I, ha- I mean, I have regrets. What was it? Somebody said, I have no regrets. And, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I hate that when people say it because yeah. it can't Come be on. true yeah. unless you have lived a perfect life right. Sterile and you're incredibly and arrogant. If you think you've lived a perfect life, mm-hmm. uh, um, then you have to have regrets. You yeah. have, there's something you wished you had done. Oh, you could do and I, I, I have regrets about choosing a certain path yeah. because I was frightened. I was always frightened that I couldn't do the See, job. I never, we never oh, got that horror. vibe from Oh my you. gosh, you I'm a so neurotic mess. <laughs> no, no. Oh no. And it's one reason that I, it's one reason I dated the kinds of guys I did. It's mm-hmm. the reason I dated the man that I, excuse me, that married the man that I married mm-hmm. is I just, I was so horribly shy. And somebody, I was reading an article about uh, extroverted introverts. Mm. They're really introverts, yep. but they oh, yeah. force themselves to be extroverted. <laughs> <So> me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there so are, it is a Same. lot of us mm-hmm. yeah. who get into this business. Right. When you're in sort of a public position. And you're yeah. Just not, and and yeah. what, what it was is I, I wanted to, I mean, it, it, 
the cliff notes and you've, you've read it, especially in, in the articles that were written when I retired, I wanted to be, I loved animals from the time I was two years old. Mm -hmm. I, 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 that was just, it was, I think you may inherit it. I, I don't know. It was just mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I wanted to be a zoologist and, and I had not done horribly in math, I'd done well in algebra, but, but the thought of doing physics and mm -hmm. uh, uh, calculus in college, when I realized I was going to have to do all of that, I didn't even want to try because I was also lazy academically. Mm. I did well, but I, so I only took, only took subjects that I was going to do well in. Yeah. So I did languages and history mm -hmm. and I loved, um, I developed a love for the Near East because of the movie Lawrence of Arabia my mm. freshman year. Um, wanted to major in Near Eastern studies mm -hmm. and ended up going into, I won't go into why, but I ended up in Asian studies, far Eastern mm -hmm. studies, mm -hmm. not Near Eastern studies, yeah. and went to graduate school. And uh, at the University of Michigan, I'd been accepted as an undergrad and didn't go because of a boy. I don't know what it was. I, I was watching football or I was, I had friends who were Olympic swimmers and, and I, I had been a coach, a swimming coach in the summer of, it used to be AAU swimming. Now they call it USA swimming, mm -hmm. but it was a serious team. It wasn't a club team. There yeah. were like 90 kids on the mm -hmm. team and we traveled and I realized I loved sports it, it, almost as much as animals, but yeah. uh, I couldn't make any money as a coach. Mm -hmm. And one of these guys that I knew, I was at the NCAA men's championships and we were sitting talking and I said, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can go on and get a doctorate in pre-modern Chinese history. I'll die. And even though I loved Michigan and they said, listen, and I said, I mean, oh my God, writing a thesis is so hard. If I had to write for a newspaper, I think my head would explode. And one of the guys said, oh, you know, women are starting to do television sports. You could do that. That can't be that hard. <laughs> oh my goodness. And that's how it started. I didn't, I didn't particularly want to be on TV. Mm -hmm. I didn't that's want to be an anchor. Yeah. So I was going to go back to school and get another degree. And somebody who became a very famous sports guy in radio and some television, a guy named Tony Bruno, he was working in Birmingham, Alabama. And my mother still lived there after my dad died. She was a staunch New Englander. Mm -hmm. That's where I grew up loving New England teams. Sure. Sorry, Pittsburgh. It's okay. I'm from Boston myself. So, ah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All we have to talk, but not here. Um, um, it became easier. I realized there was more money in television. So I started in radio because of my voice. They heard my voice and hired me. I did not have a single journalism course, mm -hmm. nothing. But I'd written a master's. Mm -hmm. They call the master's essay for you know my my degree at at University of Michigan in Asian studies. So they wanted a picture of me also, and I thought, what does that have to do with radio? But so I sent it, and I worked with these three guys. And uh, for about a year and a half, and then I got into television, I realized there was more money in television. Sure. And then I began to realize that there, are, there were more jobs in news that than there cool. were. And that I was in news, but Tony taught me how to cover hockey. First sport I learned to cover was hockey, the Birmingham Bulls. And uh, um, yeah, it, I, I loved it. I loved hockey. And I got to know some hockey players who became very famous in the NHL once the WHA 
disbanded. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they're all, they're retired by now. But I went into news because it was easier. But I was going to say, do you think that it was a matter of there were not that many sports TV jobs for women? Yes. Or just not jobs I, I, in general? Ab absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was married at the time and mm -hmm. he moved here with me. And I was, um, my my addiction, my alcohol addiction, mm -hmm. I was addicted to amphetamines for a year in college, wow. but I was able to get off of those, but I was still drinking very heavily. I didn't drink at all in, co in high school because mm -hmm. I knew my, my father was a recovered alcoholic and yeah. I didn't know it until he died. Mm. And they wrote about all his activities with the national council on alcoholism and with AA yeah. and, um, God bless him. I inherited his brain and his, his, yeah. I, the tendency for yeah. addiction. So anyway, my alcoholism was getting worse. And my mother would say to me, you, you look like you're not getting better at your job and yeah. you don't look as good. Thanks mom. <laughs> If your mom's not going to tell you. And actually, you. <laughs> there were some people at Gateway who would watch me on TV yeah. and, and had guessed really? that I was, you know, that I was drinking. So how hard was that to be doing that, to be on camera all the time and then be dealing with this? Well, you don't know that going. you're dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not really, you're not thinking about it. You're incorporating that. You're it. like thinking about it that way. You're mm -hmm. rationalizing. And I wanted this agent to represent me and, um, um, and she refused me. Really? And I was devastated. Yeah. I, I really felt that I was ugly and that that was why yeah. it was happening. I, I always, always had. Mm -hmm. And so, so um, anyway, I ended up, I, I was in a, um, an abusive marriage. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up getting divorced. I left him and stopped drinking within the same two months. Mm -hmm. Wow. And Pittsburgh was still a really large market, but it began shrinking that when I came, I doomed it. No. Literally. I don't think it, that's true. It dropped a market so market a month after I arrived. The census came out in 1980 and continued to drop, drop, So drop. you're responsible but they for went to, Yeah. They went to, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, and any team I cheer for loses. Any wow. team I cheer for loses. Man. That's a lot of power. So what happened is, is that, I redid a tape and and gave the tape to this this agent who was one of became one of the most famous agents in the country not just of local people but then she took over from a husband and did national but she she kept me and somebody else here in town who has her she's was amazing and I get, sent her a tape and she said oh my gosh what happened yes she said but what happened I said I got divorced I got out of an abusive marriage and I stopped drinking yeah and so um, she got me a contract that would allow me to leave if they passed me over six months wow. after they passed me over. That's a good And uh, they passed me over. Yeah, nice. So I was in New York interviewing at WCBS for, they were going to have a new news and they were looking for a new anchor. She had said to me before then, I can get you a domestic, a domestic network job mm -hmm. reporting right yeah. now. But- Back then, they had bureaus abroad. Right. Now they're they send people right because it got too expensive. Freelancers, yeah. But she said for you to work at a foreign bureau, which would work with my, you know, my background in international studies, you'll have to put in a year or two. 
I mean, we had that discussion, but I was terrified. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I had that I was smart enough. I didn't think that I was good enough. I didn't think that I would make mistakes and I would be on my own. And I was terrified. And so I said, no, no, I'll just stick with local anchoring. And it doesn't mean that I didn't fall in love with Pittsburgh. It took me some time. Yeah. This it was, took me this some was time a, too, I This will was say. a strange place. Yeah. yeah. I thought. Because I came from Boston. I married a guy from Pittsburgh. And I was sort of felt in the beginning, like a lot of people will ask you, and I've said Where this Where in before, Boston are you from? From what? Boston proper. I grew up in West Roxbury. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. My mom was born in Newton. No kidding. My sister worked in, in my sister worked at a place called Mary Ann's near Boston College. Yes, of course. Do you know Mary Ann's? Of course I know Mary Ann's. I used to get I drunk went to there when I visit her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mary Ann's is awesome. Yeah, we'll have to talk about this later. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, so, but I came here and I, the question that I got a lot was, oh, where'd you go to high school? Because it kind of identified, really? yeah, oh, yeah, it yeah. identified you as being part of a, a group or a mm-hmm. clan or whatever. Like if you went to Central, you went to Oakland Catholic, whatever. And it was a weird thing that never, I had never been asked before, but I felt like I kind of had to push my way into a lot oh, of yeah. circles when I first moved oh, here because absolutely. my husband was from here. So we had kind of his group and I well, was- Well, see, you, you had know, entree then. Right. I had, but I had kind of via his stuff. And for me to get into journalism here was hard. I kind of had to start, you know, almost from the beginning. Like I had some journalism experience, but I ended, I was trying to get into the PG and they said, oh, you don't have enough experience. I said, what are you talking about? I worked at the Globe. I worked at these papers in New England. I, Kim, I think, I mean, I think you're both right. And Jen and I have talked about this as also transplants. Yeah. It's not an easy place. Right. And, well, and it's, it's friendly at it's, the surface. Right. It's friendly, but, then, but it's not welcoming Yeah, but then once yeah. you get beyond that initial interaction, mm-hmm. it's hard. And especially as the city's changing, right? Yeah. From, it sounds like when each of us came here at different points, city's been in this evolving time right. and- to then jump in and connect with folks, it's hard. Yeah. And you have to be really determined. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, but in 1986, I made the choice to stay here because it wasn't just it wasn't just um, safe. It had become welcoming to me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I say this joking; it grows on you like a fungus. <laughs> I mean, and that's not a nice way to put it. But a fungus kind of envelops you, and so th- that's what I mean. <laughs> and then I began to have great. And then when I started covering sports, yeah, and that happened because two people knew that I had a background in sports, mm-hmm. and my ex-husband had played played professional baseball. Mm-hmm. I had coached swimming. Yeah, I had played softball. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents watched sports religiously, mm-hmm. and so I, I and my 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 ex husband had also played college football. Mm-hmm. So um, he was an incredible athlete, mm-hmm. and so so they knew that I knew about sports mm-hmm. and that I had gone into the business to be, yeah. you know, a sports reporter. And so uh, we had a sports guy who who became a really good friend. He's in Cleveland now. His name was Tony Zarella, handsome guy, um, 14 years younger. Why would I say 14 <laughs> years younger? Because I really so kind of thought the about, top of well, I could there. date him. <laughs> See, someone said, why would you say how much younger he is? And, um, um, and he did, we started doing these Monday night football shows because mm-hmm. ABC had Monday night football. Yeah. And- um, we started doing an hour ahead of 
them. And he did the first one. It was in Atlanta and it mm. was, did not go well because yeah. just having one person on camera. Yeah, and our general manager, a guy named Jim Hefner, and this wonderful woman who I'm very dear friends with now, her name is Debbie Cassini-Klein. Uh, she had come from Cleveland and been a pro producer there. She was actually our executive producer programming. Mm -hmm. Now, local television doesn't have really programming departments really much yeah. anymore. Yeah. All comes under. Anyway, they said, let's put Sally on. It was so controversial. Really? Because, having a woman on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But also having a news person on. Mm -hmm. And do you know the people who were the most accepting of me? The sports guys at the newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were the most accepting and the most helpful. Really? Also, people like Bob Pompiani at KD. That's when I really started to love Pittsburgh was when I was. Because you were doing the thing that you really wanted to be doing. Yeah. yeah. And I was covering football. But I did some, I, 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 even before I did the football, I was there in 1991. Mm -hmm. I was standing in that hall in the, the they were getting ready to roll the cup on mm, the ice Stanley in cup. Minnesota yeah, nice. and I was standing next to it and I had had a huge crush on a very famous hockey player. I won't say who it is, who went in, mm -hmm. was part of the hall of fame. He's from Canada. I met him in Birmingham. I didn't date him, uh -huh. but I had a crush on him. So I had hung around and I had Tony, Tony Bruno had taught me how to cover hockey. Mm -hmm. So in 91, I did the feature pieces, but when we were up in, in Minneapolis, but yeah. it was still awesome. And I'll yeah. never forget Stan Savin was standing there. Stan worked for TAE at the mm -hmm. time. And and Mario was still in still on his skates. Yeah. And he was even more of a giant. He's and I was enormous. Like, and he winked at me while oh my Stan God, was interviewing Sally. me. Stan was live and I'm like, Oh my God. I don't know how he holds it together. You know what? Point, it was no, it was just it was so cool. Yeah. And then I didn't I didn't cover the ninety two cup, but I covered the two thousand nine cup in yeah. Detroit. Yeah. And I covered the one they lost. Yeah. And actually in Detroit, the one we won. A guy and Andrew, for some reason, they couldn't do e any of the locker room interviews that, mm -hmm. that afternoon. So I was in the locker room interviewing. I'd been in football locker rooms, yeah. but I'd never been in a hockey locker room. Yeah. I was in both the Detroit locker room, and not at the same time, and the Pittsburgh locker room. And I met, oh my God, what is it, Zetterberg? What was his name? Henrik Zetterberg. With the long hair? Mm -hmm. <gasps> really? Oh, huh. All right. If you say so. All anyway, right. so, so, I will say uh, my, so you know what, when I'm talking about it this way, I, I was really lucky. I was obviously, very yeah. But it sounds like blessed. you just were in your element, really. Like this yeah. is what you really love doing. I did love doing yeah. it. And I will say, I loved, I would have loved more being a zoologist, quite frankly, but next to that, it was sports. Mm. So what was your favorite part? Because I always wanted to be an Olympic athlete and being around athletes who are really, it, it had nothing to do with having crushes on the guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're good. I was a competitive swimmer. My sister was an Olympic caliber diver. She was an, she was an enormously talented athlete. But when my my father died when she was 12 and I was 14. Mm, that's hard. She, and she didn't have the drive. She didn't, she just was an incredibly gifted athlete in anything. First time she picked up a golf club, she, she parred a hole. Well, a par just... three. I mean, that's mm -hmm. how, and, and there are just some people who are born like that. I wasn't. I was good. I wasn't great. But I loved the Olympics. I mean, in 1968 in high school, I took a reel-to-reel -reel tape and held 
the microphone up to the television to tape the 1968 um, track and field, uh, John Carlos and Tommy Smith and, and Bob Beeman set the world record because of the altitude at Mexico City. And I, I wanted to be an Olympic athlete, and then I realized it wasn't going to happen. So the best way to be around greatness, if you couldn't be a great athlete, was to cover it. And I guarantee you, if you if you ask a lot of sports reporters, they'll say they realized they weren't going to be that great athlete, but they wanted to cover greatness, not to suck up to it, but to cover it, to see what the mental and physical makeup of a great athlete is. I think that's what it is. It's like it's like studying great art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like st- it's listening to great music. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's a human endeavor. Um uh, and there's so much that we do on this planet that is awful and parasitic. Yeah. I think though Sally, I think your your point of you loved sports and you recognized that this was possibly an angle for you to stay connected to it in the sports casting capacity. If you if you personally had recognized you you were not going to to be an athlete, I think it's a great lesson for others out there, especially for women, right? Who feel, you know, I, I love this, whatever it is, and maybe it's I I love food, but I'm not going to be a cook, but I can be a writer and I can write about food and restaurants and all of the aspects, uh, you know, related to that. So I think it's a wonderful lesson for for anyone, I, and in particular I, I, for women. It's funny because. When I talk to high school students, I will say, you can always drop back and punt. Yeah, right. You don't, you may want to do something really badly, but it may not be one of your strengths. Mm-hmm. Right. You can have that as an avocation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I enjoy covering news. Yeah. And I liked anchoring. Anchoring was really relaxing because I liked relaxing. using my voice. Yeah, yeah. Because it was the only time I felt... Live live shots, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. having to at lib a breaking news story. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. I mean, those things were hard. And 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 um covering 9-11 was tragic. Yeah. But an honor. Um, um and we did the 15th anniversary. Yeah. We did a chronicle on it. Mm-hmm. And um I think every day that I was at Shanksville. Mm-hmm. And that I was at the memorial. Every person I interviewed, I burst into tears. I yeah. cried. Yeah. And those are honors. And Paul Van Osdal mm-hmm. and Jim Parsons made it possible for Chronicle to become what it did. And 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 Justin Antonetti, who was our news director at the time, and that's when I stopped completely anchoring, not even the new news, and just started doing Chronicle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was hard because we really didn't. Have, we had some producers, but a lot of the time I was doing, I was a co-producer. Most yeah. of the time I was co-producer. It was exhausting. And I'm not, I don't deal with long-term deadlines. Yeah. Daily deadlines I could deal with. A long-term deadline, yeah. I always missed it. I never got it. Too. Never did. Yep. It, that's why daily helped me because mm-hmm. it forced me to do it. So um, I, I, because of Paul and this amazing story he did on the state of volunteer firefighting mm-hmm. in in this region and in the state of Pennsylvania and um, an investigation of it. My name is part of a Peabody 
I mean, basically, I did one or two stories for it uh, about the lives of volunteer firefighters mm-hmm. to even out the incredible investigation that Paul had done. Mm-hmm. And then he had a series of pieces that had aired in news. And then we did the Chronicle mm-hmm. and expanded it. And we gave both of that to the, you know, and they pick 30 yeah, things. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It, there's no number. There were two local that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, w, I think there was an Atlanta station that had won something. And we were there at the Peabody Awards. And, and, and I was at the table. And we were part of it. I mean, but it was Paul. It was Paul. And I have it was a like, feeling. And it was like, and Jim Parsons had won a Peabody. So two people at WTAE won two Peabody's. Yeah. And it was, it's just, so even though I wanted to be retired, I'm so glad that I have that sure, because of somebody else. I just wrote his coat. I feel like you're being really generous here. No, no, no. I feel like the only thing it's like, I mean, it was just, you know, so, so there is that doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was, was, was so news was important to me, but the only reason I got into it was because of sports. But my great love is, is wildlife conservation. The Broadcast Podcast is proud to be a member of the Sorgatron Media family. 